0: Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Your Jersey. Your name, your number, your jersey, retros and current day gear plus polos and training shirts. They've got the lot, licensed and the right price. Your name, your number, your jersey. Check them out at yourjersey.com.au forward slash Andy and type Andy in as your coupon code to get a bonus gift with any order. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Retirement sackings, controversy, does it ever stop in rugby league? The simple answer is no. But for the next little while, we're going to take you away from the bullshit and allow you to enjoy some positive footy talk. And it starts right now. Question, what's the greatest sound in the world? But what's better than cracking a coldie? Cracking half a dozen. This is Six Pack of Superstars, revealing our top six. Cracking open another six pack, our guest could be termed a bit of a throwback. He loved a bit of old school, he loved a stink. And if you're wearing an opposition jersey, you're actually fair game. Greg Bird has dropped in. Your task, mate, the six players you've played with or against... That you'd want on your side if a fight starts at the scrum. Who have you got,
1: mate? I'd start. I'd have to start with my little, my little fat mate, gal. He's about to, uh, he's about to go to war with, <laughs> with a bloke that's knocked people out all over the world. Um, so, yeah, gal's someone who I, I would like to have next to me if I'm having a fight. But I don't really want to be on the other side. What I have. We, we did used to live together and we come to blows a few times but um i guess that's the story for another day we'll have him at uh at lock forward yep um in the front row we'll take Milesy, um the guy that go put three of the best on his chin uh and and he didn't fall so you know the gal's hitting him with three of his best he's gonna he's gonna cover one side of the scrum, uh, so we get Milesy in there. The other front rower will have Big Willie. Um, every 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 scruff on the field needs a big big black man, and uh, <laughs> Willie knows how, he knows how to get around a fight. We did uh, We actually did fight for life together, the three of us: me, Gal, and Willie, over in Auckland. Um, and he won that fight from memory. Yeah, and uh, I remember him knocking knocking Stuart Fielding out in that test. Um, which which I enjoyed watching thoroughly. So um, we'll have Big Willie in that. Hook in the scrum. We'll have Monty Beetham. Oh yes. You know, so I played early days in, in New Zealand. I played uh, I played a game, and I think I might have been eighteen or nineteen. It was one of my first games, and I got up and he pushed me, and I pushed him and went after him. And like I wanted to fight him, and as a young bloke, I. Wanted to fight everyone. <laughs> I guess I <laughs> wanted to show myself that I wasn't scared. And he pulled me aside and said, "Pull your head in. Pull your head on a flogger." And after the game, well, so the boys pulled it away. And after the game, I met, saw him at the pub, and and the boys told me his history that he, you know, he was a champion boxer in, in Auckland, and, and I'll probably save myself uh, a few black eyes there. But uh, I think that night he, he roughed a few blokes up at the at the nightclub, uh, which sort of made me think my lucky stars if it wasn't me but um, yeah he, he'd be he'd be hooking hooking the scrum oh
0: yeah
1: um, in the back row we've got and this is for different reasons this is these reasons aren't the same as the reasons why I'd have all the others yeah, next the other back row is Justin Horror and before you laugh because he probably couldn't fight his way out of a wet baby bag but he could talk his way out of a wet bag of the bag for sure <laughs> We're going to have a scrum full of we're going to have a scrum full of ruffians. We need someone who's going to be able to start the fight, and uh, with a bit of trash talk. And Hozie was probably the best trash talker I've heard. Um, he was funny. He was a funny trash talker. He not the type that would and you know, and I have been involved in scrums where there blokes that uh, you know slept with people's mums or slept with people's wives <laughs> or things like that, and it was actually true. <laughs> And um and it was quite quite harsh, but you know, they're the ones that you sort of feel a bit sorry for the other guy. But uh Hossie would just break people down with with his, with his shit chat on their game and the game, the errors, the things that they do. Um and mate, he'd have the whole scrum in laughter. <laughs> and the poor bloke would be questioned whether he was up to up the plane at that level. Um so Hozier would be in there to start the fights. Uh and the next one is another. Odd one. Uh, he didn't play in the scrums that much, but he was definitely big enough in the scrums. Ben Pomeroy. Uh, he was a, a mong strong little rat from from Penrith, but he uh, he could throw him. He could throw him. I remember a game we played in Townsville. He uh, he got bailed up with Carl Webb, and everyone knows Carl Webb's history. He was a he was a boxer himself and a front rower who was, probably would have been 110 kilos. Up against a ninety-five kilo center who was he was pretty lean, but he had he had big shoulders and big arms. But they they both got taken in the blood bin after it. They went hell for leather. Uh, if he could find the game, but it was uh it was definitely a spectacle watching those two go at it for, you know, thirty seconds.
0: Thirty, uh, I reckon I, I was actually it. calling that game, and I think from that game Ben Pomeroy earned a nickname of "Punches." Benny Punches Pomeroy, which he fucking didn't like at all either.
1: Mate, he uh, he could throw them. Yeah. Uh, he didn't he mind getting a bit of trouble either, Pomeroy. sincerely, he was a he was a gentle giant. He was the nicest guy ever. But when when that when that flick switch that, that uh, switch flicked, he uh, he was a uh, he was a beast. So yeah, that, that'd be my scrum. Hopefully, I'm, I'm packing the scrum and I can. Uh, stand behind those guys and watch them go
0: one of the great rivalries and we're still not sure how it was born apart from geography the Brisbane Broncos and the North Queensland Cowboys obviously a wonderful grand final back in 2015 but a string of one point or golden point games Uh, Michael Morgan is joining us what a rivalry this has become. I mean, really, one of the top two or three in the game.
2: Yeah. Uh, look, particularly that period from what was it? Twenty. I don't know, fourteen to seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. Um, yeah and I remember in twenty sixteen, the semi final at home um, at one three hundred smiles stadium. It um, went to Golden Point then, and I remember we both teams were laughing about it to each other, like as in like a, uh, surely not again. Like <laughs> it can't be, but. We're taking the piss here, um, but it, it, it felt like that out there. So both things, like yeah, we were as in as much shock as everyone else watching. Um, so yeah, it, it's I'm glad that I got to be a part of um, those some of them classic games because you know whenever now Fox Sports showed all the time. Whenever there's a Cowboys Broncos game, they play early in years games throughout the day. Um, so it's pretty cool to sit down and watch some of them, and um, yeah, look back on all the good ones we played.
0: The irony is, back in the day, you're a little Broncos fan.
2: Yeah, for a, I was a Darren Lockyer fan, and I remember I went to, I did go to their grand final. They won in 6 didn't they? Yep. It was it 2006? They won. Yeah. So I went to. That was the first grand final I ever went to, um, But I was cheering for, for them that day. Yeah.
0: Darren Lockyer and Shane Webke's last game, I think it was Big Webby.
2: Yeah, might have been too. Yeah, I um, you know, I, I I never knew. I didn't follow footy as much. My old brother followed it a lot more, knew every player's name and watched every game every weekend. So I'd sort of copy who he liked. Shane Webke was his favourite player forever. Um, so then I liked the Broncos because of that, and Darren Lockie was my favourite. Yeah, and like I said, as I got older and into high school, um, I sort of, yeah, followed the Cowboys a bit more just because uh, I knew people who were either scholarships with them or going into their system. Um, So it's pretty cool to know people that were in there, yeah. The really
0: cool part about most of rugby league's great rivalries is the rivalry gets built up, but so too the friendship and the camaraderie between the two rivaling clubs or or sets of players. Like, you've got so many great mates that are Broncos.
2: Yeah, I think that's why the games are so good too because there was never, you know, none of these games were, um, like, it wasn't the hatred type of rivalry like some teams have. like we, yeah, mates, with played um, both teams played Origin or players in there played Origin together. Um, so it was, I don't know, it was a bit of respect thing, I think. Both teams knew that they had to play really well to and to beat each other. And it was they were just good games to be a part of. The build up it was the closest to sort of Origin feel um, that I've had in the club game. is the build up for one of, for a Broncos Cowboys game. Um, yeah, and they're just exciting, and you look forward to to those games because the build up around town is so much better.
0: Hey legends, the footy is back. Here's my first tip of the season. Make it personal. Your name, your number on your jersey. Official licensed NRL jerseys, retros, polos and training shirts all in the one place. For the hard running man, the cover defending woman and the chirpy little ones that remind you of an out of control halfback. For an exclusively unfiltered deal, go to yourjersey.com.au forward slash Andy and put Andy in as your coupon code to get a free gift at checkout. Gear up, Legends. The Legends series. I hope you're enjoying it wherever they are in our library, whenever they were released. It doesn't really matter. They're career overviews. They're timeless. So it doesn't matter if you haven't listened to one when it came out. With confidence, you can go back through our entire library and listen to anything you want, whenever you want, and it'll all make sense. Next week's guest on the Legends series, Jewel International, Michael O'Connor. Short question, probably not a short answer. Are you a rugby league guy or are you a rugby union guy? <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, look, the more people ask me, you
3: know, that's probably the most common question I get. What, what do I do? You, do you like which game? Do you prefer rugby union yeah. or rugby league? Honestly, I I enjoyed them both. Immensely, and still do. I think I was a better rugby league player because of I was more of a um, a finisher, um, yep. not so much a creator. And there weren't as many defenders; uh, there aren't there aren't as many defenders on the field, so I had more opportunity, ball in hand, than I had when I was playing rugby. Uh, rugby has other things that rugby league doesn't have, like mm. the, the trips overseas. Uh, you know, the red carpet treatment visiting Buckingham Palace and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so culturally very, very different there. Um, but when it boils down to it, the players aren't a lot uh, – there's not a lot of difference. You know, they, they, they enjoy um, a camaraderie. People play team sports because they like playing – you know, they're not individuals basically. Yep. And uh, so you, you build – Friendships, uh, and I built a lot of friendships in both rugby league and rugby union.
0: It's time to look into the unfiltered crystal ball. What does the future hold for our current sports stars? The year is 2050. We'll come up with the setting, our guests tell us who it is. We've got the great Josh Morris of the Sydney Roosters. Are you ready to rip a few of your teammates or former teammates a new one? 2050. Who's got a beachfront apartment at Tamarama and still single?
4: Victor Radley.
0: Who's sitting at the end of the bar at the Royal telling footy stories to whoever walks in?
4: Jared, where are
0: <laughs> Who hasn't missed an iceberg Sunday session in 27 years?
1: James Tedesco.
0: <laughs> Who hasn't trained a day since retiring and couldn't be fucking happier?
1: Victor Radley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who's done a short stint in Long Bay but is out reformed and is now a pillar of society?
2: <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Victor Radley.
0: <laughs> poor, poor Victor. Josh Morris, love it. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, give us some love. Go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then whack in a five-star rating and a review. As random and weird ass as you like, funniest weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. Yeah, bribery. Get to it, legends. And this week's winner of the trucker's cap is Tunza Noppy. Get in touch, big nuts, and we'll send out your goodies. It's that easy. Leave a review once you've finished listening here and you could win. Thanks also to StormFan15, Deb Servan, Carvin77, The Major Collects, D-Light Ted, Dodzy's Supper, The Legit Chico, Jordy R, and Balm Burner, spelled B-A-R-M, odd. This is the Weekly Wodge on Andy Raymond Unfiltered, and it's feature interview time. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Hope you're enjoying. One of the good fellas has dropped in to talk nonsense with me. Happy Chorus, good to chat. How's the wrist, buddy?
4: Yeah, it's coming along well, actually. Um, It's been a a good three weeks, I think, now, and um, hopefully only got another three or so weeks to go. So, um, no, it's looking good broken in round one it was
0: an awkward one wasn't it and straight into surgery too
4: yeah yeah it was um i've had a couple of issues with the right side and um uh, we thought it was sort of the same thing on the left but um yeah the x-ray sort of just showed that uh, it fractured it and um yeah it, surgery a couple of days later and you know here we are now
0: okay left hand are you right-handed or left-handed has it had an impact on anything in day-to-day life no it's,
4: thankfully i'm I'm right-handed so uh yeah, yeah the less I took the hit so we're good we're good.
0: uh good mate what's the rehab look like because I don't think a lot of fans understand or appreciate what rehab actually is in in a lot of instances you're actually separated from the playing group for the majority of your time, aren't you?
4: yeah that's a that's a good question um it's actually very separate um you your schedule is sort of uh changed as well. Um, you got to come in a, a bit more, and you you train on on your own days, and and not when the players train. So you feel a bit segregated, I guess, um, from the rest of the boys, and it feels a bit disconnected. But um, yeah, it's sort of is one of those things you got to do, and you know, work hard to get back.
0: So you're doing no weights, obviously, because it's a wrist. You're doing you're not holding a football because it's a wrist. Are you just getting flogged
4: doing cardio and and leg weights? That's um, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what it was for the first two weeks. It was um. It's pretty hard, actually, you know, that mental side of footy. You know, you don't get to pass footy around with your mates. Yeah. And you don't get to see them that often. But, um, yeah, you just got sort of get flogged. You know, the legs are fine. They work good. So, <laughs> you know, they make you run and they make you use them. So, um, you know, hopefully you start, you know, throwing the ball around again uh, this week and uh, start getting back into the gym as well on, with that left side. What type of spectator are you
0: on game day, mate? And where do you watch from? Do you, do you go up with Ivan in the box or do you sit, you know, somewhere completely different?
4: Yeah no I um I enjoy the atmosphere of the footy so I, I go down to the players' bench um sit with the rest of the boys usually and um yeah I'm I'm not a good watcher of footy um especially when, you know you just things you think you can see and yeah you know obviously it's hard not under fatigue as well so um yeah I, I don't watch footy too well um get a, you know, heart racing and all that so you know I sort of just try and you know commentate on the side to myself and you know keep as quiet as I can
0: a great performance against the Raiders what impressed you mate.
4: Um, probably, probably the resilience, uh, to bounce back after that first 20, 25 minutes. Um, you know, we, we didn't play our best footy, you know, everyone knows that and just some uncharacteristic things, but, uh, for the boys to just be so confident and, you know, sticking with the game plan and kicking into gear, I think that's sort of, uh, what impressed me the most about that game.
0: The growth of this football side in the last 18 months has been great, but there's room for more growth according to you guys, right?
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, probably the best thing about this crew is, you know, we come in, uh, especially last year, even if it was after a win or a loss, and you know, we we're just nitpicking at some of the things that we could always get better yeah. at. And um, I think that's what you know the coaches have done really well. Uh, I mean, you can sort of lose a, a group, uh, especially some young guys, but you know they've kept everyone, in, you know, in, in steady, and, and and it's been pretty uh, pretty good to see. Mate,
0: we we always hear uh, how important it is to have a stable spine and an established spine, one that knows where they're going to be because they've played a lot of footy together. I think a lot of people actually overlook the fact you only rejoined Penrith last season and it was the first full season, even though it was a weird season, but the first full season that you had played with Dylan, Nathan and Jerome.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's a common thing you hear. Um, You know, spines change in different teams and, you know, sort of the form sort of changes with it. But um, yeah, first first time playing with um, either of those guys, uh, but you know it sort of just felt real natural as well. Um, they're all awesome blokes, and you know the footy they play sort of works with me as well. And um, there's nothing better than working with blokes who just want to get better each and every week. So you know that made that made my job a lot easier.
0: You make their job a lot easier as well with awesome service from Dummy Half. Hey, uh, quick one! You got Jerome on one side calling, you got Nathan on the other side over calling. Who's the loudest caller and who wins the argument?
4: Oh, it's a tough one. That they, um, I tell you one thing about Jerome. He's he's really good um with reacting to not getting the ball. Yeah. So even if he really wants it, he's one of those guys that I think just is like really good at you know interpreting when he and when he doesn't get it. But um, yeah, I think Nathan definitely gets that dominant call just because he's you know running the team. So um, yeah, but it's a good one between them. It comes down to
0: the hooker, doesn't it? Because if if you've got a half on one side, a half on the other side, both screaming their tits off for the football, it's almost up to you to have a look at the defensive line, try and count numbers within a split second and also not not knock the ball on uh before you even get your hands on it.
4: You're actually um you're hundred percent right. It's um a few times, you know, you, you you can make a bad bad read with the ball and go the wrong way and um, you know, missing, missed the numbers that, you know, they had an overlap on the short side. But, no, you're 100% right. Uh, counting numbers is actually really important. And um, it's a good thing as well. The short side halves don't usually call out unless there's something on. So that's yeah. a, something as well you've got to keep in your mind.
0: It said we often learn across our journey. Well, let's go back over your South Sydney in 2014, Penrith 2015. Uh, years at the Sea Eagles between 16 and 19. Back to Penrith. Do you pick up little things along the way from coaches, from teammates, from assistant coaches, and it sort of moulded you into what you are now in twenty twenty
5: one?
4: Yeah, uh, definitely, man. Um you come along you come across some really, really great plays. Um, you know, I started off with South with and obviously you had the likes of Sam Burgess and Greg Inglis and um some really amazing blokes there. And then you go to, you know, place like you know Penrith, uh, that Jamie South at the time, Peter Wallace. Yep. And then uh, obviously moving on to Manly, you know, with with Cherry Evans. And um, every place I've been to has actually left, you know, a massive, massive mark with me. Um, Just sort of the different kind of people you meet along the way too. I think I learned more about life outside of footy um, than I did about footy um, going around to all these places. So, um, yeah, everyone definitely leaves a mark on your own. And I think it's um, really important to sort of try and take as much as you can from it too.
0: How big a mark is south sydney 2014 on you still obviously you went on to premiership success there you're only a young fella uh, an amazing grand final an amazing piece of history because it had been so long for the Rabbitohs.
4: yeah that one's <laughs> that one's a memory I'll never forget um and i don't think anybody else forgets either mm. um, you know I'm, I'm constantly you know talked about when um you know comes to grand finals and and all of last year they were talking about a grand final experience and and, um, yeah, people just don't forget um, those kind of memories. Um, it's pretty special to be a part of one, to be honest. Um, still, I don't feel like that was my grand final. Obviously, I just filled in for Isaac Luke and it was a pretty crazy scenario. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a memory that I'll, I'll cherish forever. And, you know, even though it wasn't my team at the time, you know, I'm still, um, still grateful. Thanks for dropping in, Legend. When do you reckon we're going to see you back? Yeah, mate, um hoping to push for around 8 at the moment so I'm going to say 3 more weeks
0: but let's wind back the clock the date August 24 2019 the venue was Wembley Stadium and the event the Challenge Cup final between Warrington and St Helens in front of 62,717 fans our look at the game is through the eyes of Wolves lock Jason Clark this edition of the Challenge Cup was run over nine rounds with eighty-seven teams in total. Jace, you guys were probably a little lucky after escaping with a narrow two-point win in the sixth round. I think it was against rivals Wigan.
5: Hey, geez, you've done your homework there, Andy. It was—you um, <laughs> know—a lot more about it than all I do. Um, but yeah, mate, it was like coming over here and experiencing the Challenge Cup, how it all works. Like you'd be playing a Super League game, and then everyone will say, "Hey, boys, let's forget about Super League." It's challenge cup next week, but I was like, it's still we're still playing the same game, and yeah. the the mentality that the players have, and the way they style it round. It's a whole new ball game. It's a knockout series game, and um, it was a really good experience to, to have that. Although it adds more games to the comp, um, mm. you know, I, I, re- I did really enjoy it, and, and that sort of knockout type football um, seems to make it just the game a little bit different as well.
0: First impressions of the famous Wembley Stadium. Is it everything you thought it would be?
5: Yeah, mate, I loved it. It was, uh, it was really hot there. But I'd spoke to Sammy Burgess and he was bragging about how he played there and um, yeah. he had a, uh, a photo up along the hallway. So I went for a, a walk up and down all the hallways and mate, some of the, the events that they've had at that stadium is unbelievable. The people they've had and the, the, the events they've had was amazing. But his photo wasn't there, so he couldn't brag. <laughs> uh,
0: Warrington and St Helens had never met in a Challenge Cup decider before, neither club had won the title for a couple of years. However, your team form was really down. I think you'd lost something like five straight in the Super League going into this final, hadn't you?
5: We had. We. I'm sure it was because <laughs> Blake Austin was out for a little bit of time as well. Yep. He did a, a sinusmosis. So um, obviously, when you lose a, a marquee player like that, it's you know some people start doubting you and, and think it's all down and. Um, not many people had much faith in us going into the game. Mm. Um, a lot of people saying, oh, it's, we'll worry about it next year because we didn't have him. And we ended up putting our back rower, um, Jack Hughes, at six, and he just did an awesome job there. Yeah. Um, and we just played real simple footy. Uh, you know, that's all the old cliche stuff and five hit-ups for a kick, but it was just what we needed to do. And when um, a little brilliance was needed, it had come out.
0: Certainly did. Other Australasians in the game for St. Helens, there was Lachlan Coote, Kevin Naguama, Zeb Tayer, Dominic Peru and Joseph Paulo. For you guys, Bryson Goodwin, Ben Murdoch-Masilla and Sidelecki yakaloa The two coaches were Aussies too, Justin Holbrook and Steve Price. Who stood out for the Wolves on that day?
5: The one big play that um, a lot of people remember is Bryson Goodwin um, diving to save a try in the corner yep. um, for Tom Magerson. And we actually – he spoke about it when because we trained at Wembley before it, the day before for our captain's run. And he said, you know, when players have to dive in to score a try, they only put it in that little corner of, of the field. Yeah, So instead of trying to tackle the player, he'll just dive to that spot and um, he did it and it was amazing that you know after the game we're talking about it for ages what what he did and how much that was a big boost for us and we were all going mad because a lot of us knew that he was that's what he wanted to do
0: yeah both sides were good but probably not great and maybe a little nervous to start with which can actually be expected and it actually took Something like twenty five minutes for the first try. One to Joe Philbin. And then shortly after Murdoch Massilla. Were you happy? Were you comfortable at twelve nil at half time?
5: For the circumstances that we were written off straight at the start, yeah, we were. Yeah. We um to be honest, the the very first play off the kickoff, for some reason we end up going we kicked it pretty short. And I don't know why, but someone said let's kick it short. And we didn't never spoke about it or anything, but <laughs> we did it. Um, not that it didn't cause any dramas, but um, it all came out right and just ploughed away. And and Joe crossed the line, which was massive for us, big Joe yeah. Philbin. And he's been playing some good footy the last couple of years, and, and that's been good to see. And then um, I was off in the shed, uh, I think, when Benny scored, Benny yeah. Merds. Um, But, yeah, coming in at half time with the scoreline, it, it was positive for us.
0: Mate, it was pretty much a case in the second half of – holding on, backing your defence and backing the guy next to you. It wasn't a, a pretty game to watch, but it was a real test of character.
5: Yeah, like I just said before with the, the cliché sort of stuff, the boring footy wins games and all that sort of stuff. But when we knew we didn't have to do anything fancy, especially when you've got a lead, you just got to be smart. And sometimes boring footy wins wins games, like yes. they say. And But that's what it was. We just had to play simple footy. We had our half still steering us around, and Jack Hughes was just playing outside him and, and just dishing the ball out and being, being pretty safe with everything that we did.
0: You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Awesome sponsors that keep this podcast running, Galaxy Finance, Griffin Air Conditioning and Your Jersey, the best in the biz, all of them. Their company details are on our website. Check them out, Legends. We'd love if you could support those that support us and enable us to keep the podcast moving forward. Your social media go-to? It's got to be Clarky's RL column on both Facebook and Instagram. The champions of the social set and all money's raised go to Clarkie's favourite charities. Cracking pages with everything a footy fan could possibly want. Check them out, Clarkie's RL column. Time for a chat with the King, Neil Henry. With the new rules playing against a, a bigger, more dominant forward pack, could you go with six running forwards fullback playing dummy half under these new rules?
6: Oh, well, you could. And I think you see some fullbacks fulfilling that role to give their nines a bit of a rest anyway. Mm. I mean, Billy Slater used to duck in there for a couple of tackles every time to give Cameron Smith a break. And and, uh, and you see other guys interchange that nine role, normally on kick returns anyway. Your half back on on that side will get back to be dummy half and play one. Maybe your fullback play two, maybe play three, your nines back there, having a little look, having a breather, and then at the back end of the set. I think there's merit in, I mean, I think we're trying, well, I I think we're seeing that more mobility around the forwards and you can't, you know, you can't have three or four plotters in your team anymore because you're just not, you're vulnerable defensively and you need to have a good motor, effort on effort on effort. There's, you know, it used to be you... You have bouts of effort where you had to do an effort to an effort to an effort, and that might only happen every five, six, seven minutes. Yeah. When you've got repeat sets like that, that's coming around a lot quicker. Yeah. So you've got to double up your efforts a lot more in the game. So there's hitting the ground, you know, getting off the ground, yep. and getting back, getting on side, repeatability. Um, so I think the, the ruck is becoming more vulnerable. Yeah. And once you start to Constantina, the defenders in, then the edges become vulnerable. So I think – Sides so will look for a bit more mobility around their front rowers and back rowers, anyway. Um, and Canberra made that decision before when they offloaded a few big players yeah. to get a more mobile. Yeah, pack. Ricky went small, yeah, didn't Ricky he? Went smaller and, and more agile there, and it, it certainly worked for them. The big boppers gone because of the new rules, or are I, they limited? I don't think. I think there is some guys that are that are big and got good motors. I yep. mean, when you see what uh, Josh Papali is able to do. Each mm. week, you know, and, and and even Origin level to be able to stay out there and play fifty-five minutes in an Origin or yeah. sixty minutes, you know. Um, and, but even the bigger back rowers, you know, like uh, you know, Felice Cafusi, eighty minutes, but the amount of work he gets through. And there's some front rowers out there that, that, that can play big time in big yep. minutes. So I think they the the better players they develop a motor for it because they train hard. That's, that's, they've got a great work ethic, and they're they're pretty economical. They know their way around the field to be able to work out when they can take their breaks. I think the biggest problem we've got is the interchange rule that we still should reduce our interchanges. What do you want to go to? I'd like to drop it down to six. Still with four players on the interchange, or even yeah, no, no, four that? on the bench. You know, like you know, I, I think once you're on, I, I wouldn't even yep. mind. Once you're on, you're on, or once you're off, you're off. I mean, that adds another layer of intrigue to, to who you're picking on your bench and and your rotation around what you're doing out there. But I definitely think with the HIA and the ability to get a free interchange, that would probably need to be producing it.
0: It's always really cool to get an opponent's views of different combinations around the NRL. We're going to focus on Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker at South Sydney. Two guys, Adam Dewey, who you know really well what's most impressive about this six and seven
7: yeah I, I just think the way they complement each other is they're uh, yeah, almost up there with the best the best in the comp um, I guess the way they go at the business and the combination they've formed over the past few years um, is really starting to, to show in their game and I guess you can see that you know Renault really owns that you know tackle five kick option and yep. um, he likes to own that and you know he's kicking games obviously the you know one of the best in the game and um, he allows you know Cody to I guess do more of the skillful stuff and um put on the fancy plays, and um I know training with Cody back you know when I, when I was at South the yep. way he did you know strip numbers and um, his natural talent he has to you know I guess instinct and know when a, a ball's coming and know what's what a defender's going to do is um, really up there in his game, and you know that's what helps Renault just just be calm and you know, steer the middles around the you know around where they want them and yep. um, own that tackle five kick. so the way they complement each other is yeah, um, outstanding to be honest.
0: I reckon you hit the nail on the head when you said they complement each other because they're very mm. different footballers, aren't they?
7: Yeah, they're almost complete opposites. Yeah, um, yeah. As I said, Reno's kicking game um, is—I guess all he really needs to do with, with the skill set Cody has you know, beside him and the way he can, um, as I said, identify um, flaws in defence and, and strip numbers back so easily. When you talk about Reno's kicking
0: game, his short kicking game was enormous last season. Is that a fullback's nightmare?
7: Oh, it is. It's, it's, it's their worst nightmare. I guess the way he can just almost put on a string and I guess put the ball almost wherever he likes is yeah, frustrating for someone like me. But um, yeah, sometimes you just have to take your hat off to him and um, applaud him.
0: What do you do when you're a fullback? They're close to the line. As a fullback defensively, are you looking at the playmaker and looking at his eyes to try and figure out an indicator of where he's going and where you need to be?
7: Yeah, you can try, him, but obviously, you know, a player of Renault's class and, and of his um, experience in the game, he knows he can identify when, I guess, someone like me is, you know, plugging into the defensive line yeah. and trying to thicken up the line. And, you know, you, if he sees me coming up, he'll kick behind me. And if he sees me staying back, he'll just create the extra number in the in the front line and just play to his, you know, forwards or back. So uh, I guess being a fullback and versing Renault and, and Cody, they're, um, two hard players to, to defend because you don't know you know what's coming and you don't know what what's coming from Cody and attack and you don't know what um, kick option's coming from Renault. So um, that's what makes it so hard to, to defend against them and how they can, I guess, score so many tries and get repeat sets.
0: Mate, is Cody Walker faster in real life than he looks on the TV? I mean, he looks quick, but he doesn't look super quick. Is he faster than we think?
7: I think it's because of his anticipation of when a play's going to happen. I guess you can see once Cookie jumps out, he's sort of, you know, he's on the front foot and up really flat with them. And I guess jumping with them as him and Cookie jump out. And I guess that's what makes him look so quick on the field. And yeah, I guess he is quick.
0: Random one, but a cool stat. Cowboys and Bulldogs this weekend. Opposing coaches, Todd Payton and Trent Barrett, both from the little New South Wales country town of Tamora. A population of just under 4,500 people and two of them are in charge of NRL sides this year. That's us for this week's Saturday on One on One, the UFC Hall of Framer, Frank Trigg. Unfiltered. Next week's Legend series, the great Michael O'Connor. Until we chat again, have a coldie, enjoy a palmy, make sure your bets are winners and also back pikey in the last.